1: This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the
2: end zone. I'll tell you what I've spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Touchdown! Oh, he's done it again! Now here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben.
0: Time to get into the NFL Draft. Do we know already who the first three picks are going to be? kind of seems that way, but maybe not. Maybe Justin Fields can kind of sneak his way in there and beat the San Francisco 49ers pick at third overall. Well I'm Adam Azer. You know Dave Richard. Hey Dave. What's up, Adam? That's Dave Richard. Everybody knows him. Emory Hunt is here. Emory Hunt. It's okay, so it's 10 a.m locally for, for me. You're central time, right, And Emory? You're 9 a.m.
1: No, I'm East Coast.
0: Oh, you are? Okay, cool. Okay. Uh so it's 10 a.m. How much film have you watched this morning?
1: I watched a lot of film and it's <laughs> interesting because I watched Canadian prospects getting prepared for their combine and draft. So I'm always watching film. Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: always, always. And you can follow Emery at F ball game plan. Tell us about your website. Tell us about how to find you and what you do.
1: Hey, you can find me on footballgameplan dot com, YouTube slash football game plan. Uh we have a really good extensive draft guide as well. You can check that out, football slash twenty twenty one draft guide. So we cover a lot of prospects and, and that's what we do. We want to make sure the football fan stays informed. And that's whether it's, you know, from X's and O's to scouting to game previews. We just like talking football no matter where it is Canadian, American, women's tackle football, high school football. We cover it all.
0: Yeah, it's really comprehensive stuff. The draft guide is awesome. So check it all out, footballgameplan.com, and again, follow him at FBallGamePlan on Twitter. He's part of the CBS family. You're going to be hearing a lot from him. He's on FFT and Five every week with me, breaking down prospects. So uh, first half of the show, Emery's going to join us to talk about the quarterbacks uh, this, this week. And then Dave and I will do some fill-in-the-blank. We'll answer your Apple podcast questions. We have a lot of those, and hopefully we have time for your emails at at cbsi.com. Also, the Bengals released Giovanni Bernard. What might that mean for Joe Mixon? The Eagles re-signed a week ago. They re-signed Boston Scott. That wasn't a surprise, but they also are bringing back Jordan Howard, so we will get to some of the news items as well. All right, Emery, first question for you. Do you think 1, 2, and 3 are going to be Trevor Lawrence to the Jaguars, Zach Wilson to the Jets, and Mac Jones to the 49ers?
1: That's a great question. I don't know if that's going to be the the order, but I do think you'll see quarterbacks one, two, three. Uh, I would have it Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields and Zach Wilson. I think those are the top three quarterbacks in this draft class that I would take in the first round. So to me, those are the three, quote unquote, first round type
2: quarterbacks that can be difference makers from day one. Lawrence then Fields, then Wilson, because a lot of people are saying that Fields isn't good enough and that he's he's having all these little problems and things coming out in the media. And you're, you are out there. You're saying he's number two, Emery.
1: Yeah, and here's the thing. If he played another year at Ohio State, his resume would look just like Trevor Lawrence's resume. They both played a lot of games, a lot of meaningful games. And if Chris Olave runs the right route, that ball hits him right in the throat. And he beats Trevor Lawrence two years in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And I think when you look at Trevor Lawrence, a lot of his big games uh, have been losses in the playoffs. Outside of his freshman year when he beat Alabama and they won a championship, Fields has won a lot of big games. And I think when you look at that aspect of it and how competitive he is and you think about his last game against Clemson, when he took that shot and really couldn't run anymore, so he had to play a one-dimensional game, went out and threw six touchdown passes, and blew out the, the Clemson Tigers. So I think he's battle-tested. I also believe he has the mentality to play in the, in the NFL, you know, and that's something you have to really uh, evaluate. How is How big is the moment for a guy? Can he handle the big stage? To me, you have to be mentally prepared to play quarterback out here in New York, and if, if you're not, you can crumble. So I think his mentality, his play, and over the last two seasons, the upside – uh, because he only played a two full years of college football right, spot right. duty at Georgia. I think he has the, the, the right potential to be the second quarterback.
2: I think he's got a big arm. I think his accuracy is good. I think he's built for today's NFL game. I think he's got good size to go with it. I think he is. Um, I, I, I get the concerns about the whole second read thing, but I think he can do it. And I think if he was asked to do it, it wouldn't be a problem. I think he'd prepare fine. Uh, I, I agree. I think he's the second best quarterback in in the draft class. I would put him ahead of Zach Wilson as well.
0: All right. Well, let me give you guys one note here. That, let me get your thought. Well, two notes. First of all, talk about the wins and all that. I I don't I don't know how much it matters because the uh, best career win percentage for starting quarterbacks with thirty or more starts, Ken Dorsey out of Miami is number one. He's a uh, is he still a quarterbacks coach right I now? I believe
2: he's in Buffalo.
0: Okay, and Matt Leinart is number two, and you know, Dorsey wasn't really a much of a pro prospect, Liner didn't do much. Trevor Lawrence is number three at 34 and two. So, um, yeah, I don't know what to make of that. Obviously, you want quarterbacks who, who have won, but I don't know how much it matters. And then for Fields, if there's a concerning stat, his pass efficiency, he was 40th in the nation under pressure. He was fourth without any pressure. He was 40th under pressure. Whereas you look at Mac Jones, I think a lot of people... A month ago, would be surprised to hear Mac Jones going ahead of of Fields. But right now, the rumor is the 49ers are are taking Jones. However, Justin Fields is going to have a second pro day now. The 49ers weren't at his first one because they were at Mac Jones's pro day, at least Kyle Shanahan and I think Lynch. But Kyle Shanahan will be there for, for Fields' second pro day. But this is really cool for Mac Jones. He was, his pass efficiency, first against man, third against zone. This is 68 players with 200 more attempts. So Jones was first against man, third against zone, number one inside the pocket. His worst number is outside the pocket where he was only 17th. That's not bad. First against the Blitz, first against no Blitz, second best pass efficiency (laughs) under pressure, second best pass efficiency without pressure, and then throwing down the field 25-plus yards, air yards, third best pass efficiency. So what do you make of that, Emery? Uh, Metrics might say that Jones at least under pressure, is significantly better than Fields.
1: And he should go first overall then, right? <laughs> <laughs> if he's that good. like Let, let me tell you this, um, and this is not a knock against Mac Jones, uh, but when you look at Alabama's situation, they get the best of the best. So their roster is stockpiled with five-star talents. So you're practicing against five-star players every day. So you go out there in, in a game-day situation, and you're Infinitely better than your opponent. So you really haven't seen Matt Jones deal with conflict. And you don't want the first time you deal with conflict to be at the pro level. We just saw this play out last year with Tua of Great success at Alabama, goes to Miami, deals with conflict, can't really uh replicate that success at the at the next level. And I want to say this: if I were to ask you about these quarterbacks, and would you take them in the first round or take them in the top three? Would you take Jimmy Garoppolo, Matt Hasselback in the top three? Kirk Cousins, knowing how their career played out, would you take those guys in the top three? Probably not. And I think that's where Mac Jones lies. He's my fourth-rated quarterback, uh, but I don't have a first-round grade on him. He's someone that I, if he he is someone that I think would be an ideal fit in a place like Washington or Chicago, someplace that has a lot of good players already established on both sides of the ball so he can kind of be the bus driver but you draft right. someone in the top five you want someone that can be a difference maker and i don't think that's his game
2: mm. bus driver is perfect and that's what he was at alabama he just did it really really well um but dave I, I, isn't it, that
0: isn't that san francisco i i know it's a top three pick which yeah, is wild but yeah but it,
2: I, I mean so listen i i think that's what I I can't say for sure what the 49ers want, but I remember Kyle Shanahan fawning over Kirk cousins once upon a time. And so he might look at Mac Jones and say, he's a lot like Kirk cousins. I don't think he's got quite the same arm strength as Kirk cousins, but I think he's smart. I think he can make good decisions with the football. He seems to be unfazed by the blitz. Um, And he, he just seems to be the type of quarterback that can, kind of be a, be a good West Coast offense quarterback. I don't think he's necessarily the type of guy, A, who can like elevate the whole team and, and lead them to the Super Bowl. I know he just won the national championship, but I, I just feel like there's something different where sometimes quarterbacks make their players around them better. I think that's what happens in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, because if you had Kirk Cousins throwing to Devonta Adams, I don't know if Devonta Adams would be as good. But I also see Mac Jones as someone who's not going to be great for fantasy, especially if he goes to San Francisco, because that's a team A that likes to run the football a lot. And B, if he's not going to generate anything on the ground, he's not going to give you rushing yards. That already puts a cap on his fantasy production. And if he's not in a situation where he's throwing for over 300 yards and three touchdowns every week, that's another cap. So I don't think that Mac Jones is somebody who can be exceptional for fantasy, nor be a great quarterback to, to help the 49ers or whoever drafts him. Become Super Bowl champions I don't think he'll be the reason why they're Super Bowl champions
0: the 49ers quarterbacks just looking at the last four years under Kyle Shanahan a typical season might be something like 4200 yards and 26 touchdowns something like that it's really not that bad. But when you right. take those numbers, expect that from a rookie. Let's let's say a hypothetical scenario where they take Mac Jones and he starts all 17 games. This is of course a 16 game pace of 4,200 yards, 26 touchdowns, something like that. You know that that's a great rookie season, by the way. You're probably not going to get that, but uh, with no rushing on top, there are very little rushing. That's really not a huge fantasy impact. And we know they like to run the ball when they can. Um, we can't skip over Trevor Lawrence, so we'll come back to him. I want to stay on Fields though. Emery since he is uh he's number 2 for you and he's, people are very split on him it seems what is it that some evaluators don't like about Justin Fields
1: I think they focused on about seven passes uh in two games um Indiana and Northwestern both of which they went yeah. back and, and won those games um but I think they focus on him holding the football too long but this has been explained time and time again uh when you look at how they play offense they're asking both the receiver and quarterback to rely on option routes. So the quarterback sees it from his perspective. He sees it faster than the receiver who's running into it. Um, so you're expecting the receiver to be on the same page as the quarterback. So to the late person, it's like, man, get rid of the football. But if you're waiting for this receiver to make the same choice that you've already made because you see it faster than he is, you have to hold the football. And their offense may be predicated on working touchdown to checkdown. Now, he can be in an offense where they run a lot of these bubble screens or quick touch passes. And then we, people would say, well, yeah, he has an 86% completion percentage, but it's all short passes, and bubble screens. But when you look at what they're expecting them to do offensively, they may be working touchdown to checkdown. That's why we see a lot of big plays come from this offense. Um, and I think that's why the perception is that he holds the football too long, but that's just their offense. They're reading this. They're expecting both guys to read the same things on the fly, and that's why we see what we see.
0: All right, let me ask you about Trevor Lawrence. How good of a prospect is he? Who would you compare Trevor Lawrence to?
1: I like Trevor Lawrence, and, and again, it's hard to step in at that position as a true freshman and play like that, considering what they were coming off of. And Kelly Bryant got injured; he had to step in and take that team the entire way, and he himself got injured had to come back and and really lead that team to victory so i like trevor lawrence i think he's battle tested he is the athletic quarterback that you want in today's game um he's built like a carson Wentz was at at north dakota state they have that same weird throwing motion where it's almost like they're a baseball pitcher where they throw off one leg they aim and stuff like that so i think he, he does have a lot of good traits um and i would say The way he plays in that position, uh, you know, you can see him stepping in right away and being able to hold his own. The Jaguars' offense isn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. They were always missing a quarterback, and I think they're going to get that guy that can start out early as the bus driver that we just talked about, but also has the ability to play above the X's and O's, and that's the element. That they missed. That's the element that they didn't get from Gardner Minshew. That's what they're going to get from Trevor Lawrence, who also has the ability to make plays with his legs. So when you add all of those factors in, plus the the game experience of playing in big games and winning big games en uh, route to going to the playoffs, yes, he's the most pro ready quarterback, in my opinion.
0: And do you think that? Do you think that DJ Chark? I want to ask a fantasy question here. Uh, he gets now Marvin Jones as some competition. Do you think that Trevor Lawrence is going to take his his game to another level? I, I have questions about just how good DJ Chark is. His first five games of his second year were were tremendous. Um, he had five hundred and twenty three. Uh, sorry, he had uh, four hundred eighty five yards and five touchdowns in those five games. Since then, he's played twenty three games, a hundred and seventy four targets. And 1,229 yards and eight touchdowns, I believe. It's really, you know, in 23 games, it's really not very good production. And 14 or more PPR fantasy points in six of those 23 games. So basically since the since the six week six of 2020, DJ or 2019, sorry, DJ Chark hasn't really done much. Is that because of the quarterback? Or is that because of DJ Chark?
1: I think it's partly because of the quarterback. That's why when you look at situations, let's say like the Raiders uh, that drafted Henry Ruggs, you know, now you pair a deep threat up with a guy that doesn't throw deep, you know? And so we just started to see Derek Carr do that. I think when you get someone like Trevor Lawrence who's stable, who's consistent, and also who spreads the wealth a little bit, it changes how you cover, you know, a receiver. He won't won't rely solely on one guy. So he'll spread the wealth, which changes how you cover that receiving core, which then opens up opportunities for everyone else to, to really eat and thrive. So I think you'll see... Uh, the better version of D.J. Chark and the other targets because he doesn't lock in on one target. He spreads the wealth. He also is an athlete, so you got to worry about him running the football, which then creates uh, certain bubbles in the passing game. So, yes, I do think Chark's lack of consistent success was due to the fact that the quarterback was just highly inconsistent.
2: I think he could be more efficient. I'm worried about the target volume, unless Jacksonville does something wild like they put him in the slot more often. Uh, I, I thought that Lawrence, especially last year, uh, kind of leaned on a slot receiver a little bit in the offense at Clemson, and I wonder if that'll carry over to what Urban Meyer asked him to do in Jacksonville. And so whoever that slot guy is for Jacksonville, I'll be mildly intrigued in him. I think Marvin Jones is there to take pressure off the other side for Chark, but I have a hard time believing that Chark's going to get to that 120 target mark and and become a, a stud fantasy receiver on a on a week-to-week basis. I think he's got a shot to be an okay number three receiver.
0: Uh, Dave, I want to ask you where you would rank Trevor Lawrence, but I have to remind everybody it's a big week. It is Masters Week, Butler Cabin, The Green Jacket, Pimento Cheese Sandwiches. Oh, baby, it's CBS Sports is your home for all of this to watch DJ, Brooks, Rory, and all the action unfold at Augusta, whether you're looking to watch On the Range, Featured Groups, Amen Corner, Holes 15 and 16, all four rounds, and, of course, the CBS broadcast over the weekend. It is all available on Sports.com. On the CBS Sports mobile app and Paramount Plus as well. And the pimento cheese sandwich is not included. I hear we are working on that for next year, though. So it is Masters week. It is a big week in golf. We're very excited for it. CBS Sports is your home. And check it all out on the website, on the app, and on Paramount Plus. Okay, Dave, Trevor Lawrence of the Jaguars, where do you think he will end up in your rankings?
2: I think he'll end up somewhere south of 15th among all quarterbacks. And it could be as far south as like 22nd. There's going to come a point where you you think about the upside in Lawrence and it's going to be late in a one quarterback draft. And you're going to say, what the hell? I'm going to take him. And you'll take him over guys like Baker and Big Ben and Carson Wentz. I, I think maybe some people will have an easy time taking him over Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr as well because they figure that they can get a quarterback like Cousins or like Carr off the waiver wire during the season. It'll be a little bit different in two quarterback leagues. I think some fantasy managers will go toward the more Tried and true quarterback to be their second quarterback, or maybe their first quarterback if they wait on the position. They'll take Cousins and Carr, and and maybe even roll the dice on Carson Wentz. That'll probably be the the deciding line for Trevor uh, whether or not you take him ahead of or behind Carson Wentz. But I think he will be a good number two fantasy quarterback for the Superflex for the two QB leagues. I think he's got the the built in upside because of his rushing and because of the fact that Jacksonville will probably throw a little bit more than they'd want to uh, throw because they'll be in competitive games or playing from behind.
0: And to wrap it up on Trevor Lawrence, Emery, do you think we're looking at a superstar here?
1: I think so. Uh, by Judging by what we see right now in the NFL, I think we'll see a guy that's going to be a, a consistent Pro Bowl player um, in Jacksonville because everything will be built around him for his success. And he's a good player. Uh, it's not like we're hyping up someone that that isn't good. Uh, this is a legit good player going to a good situation where everything around him will be catered to his success. So yes, I do think he can be a superstar.
0: Okay. Talk to me about Zach Wilson. What do you see? You said that he's third for you behind Lawrence and fields, but he, those are the three players that you consider first round talents. Uh, so tell me, what do you see when you look at Zach Wilson, who is likely going to the jets?
1: People see, people will hear this name and, and think of it as a knock, but it's not. When you think about the talent, the dude was, but Johnny Manziel You know, if you look at what Johnny Manziel did his that season in in the SEC, ran for over, what, 1400 yards, was making ridiculous plays in a passing game. And I think Wilson has that same type of cachet. But Wilson, to me, is a more polished passer. It's not just kind of scramble around and be a YOLO guy uh, like Manziel was, albeit he was a good one. But I think he's more in control of where he wants to go with the football now. Granted, this dude had elite protection at the collegiate level. Three NFL draft picks up front along at offensive line. Two, I have first-round grades on and, and Tristan Hodge and Brady Christensen, the tackle and guard. So, yes, he had a lot of help. Dax Milne is a fantastic receiver that's going to probably play a long time in the NFL, going to go late in the in the draft, but will be on an NFL roster. So mm-hmm. he had a ton of help. But Wilson, to me, throws the best on the move. I think he's accurate on the move. I also love the fact that he is a gamer. Yes, they lost to to Coastal Carolina, but he got them down the field in position to win that game on the last play of the game. Dax Milne, I believe it was, came up just a yard short from crossing the goal line. So, yeah, they didn't win, but it wasn't like they didn't have a shot. And I do think because we saw him healthy for the first time this season, play a full season healthy, juxtaposed to what he didn't do in 2019, yeah, you love the upside of this guy hoping that he can stay healthy, stay put together and continue to to build on what he did this year. So it's not an anomaly. The anomaly was the fact that he wasn't healthy in 2019. But you go back and watch that USC game. I thought he played well there. They got the upset against a major team. So he has played some big time football while out there in Provo. We just hadn't seen it consistently because he hadn't been healthy.
2: So that the health is a concern. He broke his right thumb in in September of 2019. Surgery on his right shoulder. That's his throwing short shoulder in January 2019. Uh, I don't know if he missed anything in 2018, but those would be some slight concerns. I, I feel like maybe, what do you think of his body? I've, I've got a couple of follow-ups for you, Emory. The first one is, what do you think of his body? Do you think it can handle um, the, the physical pounding as a versatile two-way quarterback tends to have?
1: He has to become more judicious in, in when he decides to, to run over somebody. You can't be out there like, Herschel Walker, when you built like a lowercase L, you can't do that, right? You can't, do, there's no 18 <laughs> or 19 year old dudes out there that you just run over uh, at the pro level. I think he has to, he suffers from a little bit of Mike Vick syndrome in that regard. Like you have to know when to slide, when to get out of bounds, when not to take the hit. Uh, you see good quarterbacks tend to do that, um, that that have been able to, to sustain success as a runner. So I do feel as though he, he can hold up physically, but he has to know when to let a play die when they get out of bounds, and pick your spots to run over guys when you need a first down or when you're right there at the pylon. Everywhere else, just slide, live the play down, and you can last long.
2: Play a little bit smarter when you run off with the football. The second question is, how do you think he did when when the pressure was on? I felt like he left pockets maybe a little too early, um, maybe was rattled even from mild pressure, much less heavy pressure. Um, Just your thoughts on how he did with that.
1: Yeah, he didn't do – too well with that because again think about it you look at someone that had elite uh, protection so he never saw pressure so when he did it kind of threw him off think about this this there was one play in particular in the coastal carolina game it was early in the game or maybe in the second quarter it was fourth and one they went for it and they ran play action he had a wide open guy staring him in the face right underneath but he bailed that, that, that clean pocket mm-hmm. and tried a, a more difficult throw down the field toward the sideline where he didn't give the receiver a chance. And so you wonder, why would you vacate a clean pocket? Why would you not see the guy staring you right in the face that would easily have converted the first down? And why would you take the more difficult throw? And a lot of it has to do with how you handle pressure situations, um, not necessarily not necessarily pressure from the defense. So you wonder about those things, but I think those things can work itself out with more reps. And the ace in the hole he has is his athleticism. So if he's facing pressure, he can get out of dodge and, and make you pay, which could then alleviate a lot of the pressure. So I think we'll see him get better in that regard as we see him play more games.
0: Wilson rushed for 254 yards last year. So he, you know, he's not Justin Fields or something like that, but he's mobile. And that's, you know, 221 yards as a, as a freshman or in 2018, 167, 2019. And then he played three extra games in 2020 compared to just nine in his first two seasons. Each of his first two seasons had 254 rushing yards. Dave, any more questions about Zach Wilson or should we
2: move on? Let's move on. Okay.
0: Uh, I asked you this on FFT and five Emory Trey Lance. Is he the next Josh Allen? Is that a fair comparison?
2: It could be fair. And he's
1: my uh, fifth quarterback and I like Trey Lance, the, the tools, the prospect, but I worry about Trey Lance's experience, you know, just what last year or two years or last year, we saw people complain about Dwayne Haskins lack of game experience. And this was a guy that was a Heisman finalist set Big Ten and NCAA records, and yet we were worried about his lack of game experience. Fast forward to this year, and we forgot all of that, and now we're ready to put a guy that has 15 games of experience coming from the FCS level in an offense where they predominantly ran the football and one way he didn't play well in the playoffs in 2019, and his one game this year was kind of okay in average from a passing perspective. So what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Um, I do think... He is a guy that is a toolsy guy. He's a more um, situation specific player, in my opinion. So, yes, if I'm Atlanta, if I'm Washington, who is all in on a guy that uh, at 38 years old has never had a winning record anywhere, he's been a starter. um, You could let hit that guy play and then, you know, let Trey Lance slowly work himself into the lineup in year two. I like Detroit for Trey Lance, you know, because they're going to have to let golf play because of the contract before you can slowly walk Trey Lance in. We saw the great job Anthony Lynn did in developing Justin Herbert along with Pep Hamilton. I love places where he can sit and groom like they're doing with Jordan Love. But if you're expecting him to come out and play right away with that significant jump in level of competition, I I worry about his long-term prospects. So I'd rather him go to a place where he can sit like behind Matt Ryan, behind Jared Goff, uh, in Washington, behind Ryan Fitzpatrick, wherever he may go, I think that's best. For, even Chicago, behind Andy Dalton.
2: Okay, I get that completely, uh, Adam. I think he's got the the most upside of any quarterback not named Trevor Lawrence in the draft. I think he's I think he's got the potential to be outstanding. I think landing spot is going to be huge. Coaching influence is going to be huge. What Emory said about the the lack of experience, uh, especially playing on the FCS level, I think that that's. a a big problem. I also think his accuracy needs to be worked on. And that might come from, I've gone back and forth with people on his footwork and his mechanics. So I'll probably ask you about that in a second, Emery, but uh, th- there were times where I watch him and you look like his mechanics were great. And then you kind of go back and you look at older games of his and yeah, you can see that his base was a little wide and his throwing motion was a little elongated. He, he needed to clean that up and he tried to clean that up on his pro day. And there were still some accuracy issues at his pro day. I counted seven off target passes at his pro day when there's no pressure mm. and he's putting on a show for people that was a little concerning, but the physical tools are great. He seems like a smart kid. I'm thinking the Patriots could be an interesting place for him to land where he can sit for a year behind Cam Newton, and then he could come in and play starting in 2022, have a good offense around him that he's comfortable with. Um, But he shouldn't be rushed onto the field unless he goes into camp and the offseason program, and he's just ready, and he's a wonderkind and he just gets it. And we won't know that, and the coaches won't know that until they actually get him in. Um, I'm curious, Emery, footwork, mechanics for Trey Lance – You think they're good or you think there's work to be done?
1: No, I think you're dead on. I think there is work to be done. And to me, comparison from a prospect standpoint, he's on that same plane uh, with Deshaun Kaiser and Jordan Love from how they throw physically. Man, he could throw the football anywhere they want to on the field. Footwork has been inconsistent for both guys. And the accuracy was inconsistent for more so Jordan Love as Mm -hmm. opposed to Kaiser at Notre Dame. And I like Kaiser as a prospect. And same with him. He had to go to a situation where uh, he should have been groomed and developed. That's what that's the risk you take when guys come out early. um, And Kaiser was of that because you saw the potential, but you just didn't get the chance to really hone it in and develop. Uh, Love is getting that opportunity. And I think Lance will get that opportunity because unlike Love, Lance will get to play a lot in a preseason wherever he goes, which is going to be huge. But you're right. The footwork. The mechanics has to be has to be consistent. They have to become consistent. And the luxury of playing at a school like North Dakota State, which is like the Alabama of the FCS, you tend to be better than everybody you go out there and face. And if you're dominating at the line of scrimmage and running the football, you don't have to throw the football. So he didn't get the the amount of what they call 10,000 hours of, of, mm-hmm. of reps. I think that's what he needs. That's why I want to see him go to a place where he can sit and also play a lot in the preseason.
0: Okay, so it looks like your top five is Lawrence Fields Wilson Jones Lance and then tell me about some of the quarterbacks you have after after those five and and uh, how good they could be I guess
1: yeah, these are more upside type players guys that can that I think are ideal QB twos but can that that do have a pathway to QB one um you look at a Jamie Newman who should have probably played this year but I completely understand why he didn't. Um, and not going to fault him for that. But we lost a year of development out there on the field. Um, so I think Jamie Newman has the the makeup to play in today's game. I also look at someone like Kellen Mann, who played a lot of football in a pro-style offense, with pro-style coaching with Jimbo Fish, who does a great job in developing quarterbacks. So I think he's more apt to uh, step in right away if you need a rookie to step in because he's played a lot. Um, you look at a, a sleeper. You know, in Donald Hammond the third out of Air Force, someone that can go in and you know develop because this is a guy at 6'2", 220, was a triple option quarterback at Air Force, but threw the football extremely well. So he's someone that you probably can get late in the draft, stash him on, on your roster, and work with him. And he has a trackway. So those guys, I feel like are are you know on the right track toward the pro starting uh, position. You know, you look at Kyle Trask, and I, I like what he did this year. Um, but trash to me is is a little bit outdated. He's more Matt Schaub than anything. Um, and so if this was like 98 to 2003, he'd be a first round pick, but you have to be able to move in today's game. Uh, Felipe Franks is another toolsy guy, but so inconsistent, uh, you know, and that's someone you kind of take a chance on. If, if I was to, if you didn't get Zach Wilson and you like that style, Ian Book would be the next in line. Because Ian Book <laughs> got better this year uh, from a passing perspective. We know he's a good athlete. We know he's able to make things happen and create, which is key in today's game. So if you're in San Francisco and you didn't get a chance to take uh, Zach Wilson, and, and let's say they trade-up takes up a, a position player, Ian Book would be another, another one of these ideal fits in Shanahan's offense. I think he throws well on the move. He can create. He's mobile. And I thought he improved this year. Juxtaposed to last year, he gave them a chance in every game, won that big game against Clemson uh, where he had to make some throws in the fourth quarter, bring them back down the field. So we saw him get better juxtaposed to 2019 where he looked terrible in the playoffs. So I like the growth that Ian Book made. That's one of the the true sleepers that I would take uh, and and trust to develop and, and, and move forward with if you're looking for a starter outside of day one. So what's the difference
0: between Mac Jones and Kyle Trask?
1: Athleticism. Um, and I think Mac Jones consistently accurate. His placement is consistent trash placement is all over the place. Like you, you hear the term hospital balls, you know, mm-hmm. where guys are going across the middle of the field and <laughs> have to reach up and reach back and get smacked in the process. That's Kyle trash. Like his placement was good early on. Like when you watch him uh, against old Michigan, like man, he, he really is putting the ball where it needs to be. But as the season went on, his placement got a little bit more scattershot. Mac Jones's placement is consistent. That's why you see so many catch and run plays from Alabama wide receivers because he's hitting them in the right spot. They ain't got a break stride and they're going, uh, you know, to the house because of their their game breaking speed. And his deep ball accuracy is way
2: better than Kyle Trask. Mm-hmm. Well, and Trask is one of the older prospects at the quarterback position.
0: Uh, what's the hardest hit you've ever taken in a game, Emory?
1: I would probably say you. Would, I would have to go back to junior high because that was the only wow. question I ever had uh, um I was returning a kick and I got blindsided and I laid there for about three seconds before I realized what was going on I got up and everything looked like it was on a on an, an angle I was like man this this is weird oh. um and so in, in true you know early 90s uh fashion coach put me right back no. in the game <laughs> it's just no. like, but I didn't realize that afterwards I had, that was the only time I felt like I had a concussion, but that would be the hardest hit because I didn't see it coming. Uh, but from that point, best believe my head was on a swivel in high school and college. Uh, <laughs> so I would have to go back that far. To say that was the hardest hit I ever took. Well, that
0: does not sound fun, but uh, it was great talking quarterbacks with you. We really appreciate it. We'll have you back on to talk about some other positions as we get closer to the NFL draft. Get back to uh, Belgium Professional Football League or something and scout some, some
1: <laughs> <laughs> new players for us. Will do, man. I appreciate you guys as always having me on. All Good
0: right, we're gonna, to you, Emory. We're going to take a break here. That's Emery Hunt again. Follow him on Twitter at FBallGamePlan. Go to footballgameplan.com. Uh, we'll take a break on fantasy football today. We'll come back, talk about the news, and do some fill-in-the-blank and answer your Apple Podcast questions.
3: Or a lot? to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com odyssey podcast
0: special thanks to emery hunt that was awesome stuff very educational love talking football with him And looking forward to breaking down the other positions. Okay, Dave, news and notes. The Falcons are open to trading the number four pick. That's not a surprise. They should be. Yep. The Rams GM, Les Snead, envisions Matthew Stafford as the team's starting quarterback for five to eight seasons.
2: All right. Mm. Okay. All right. Does that give him a little bit more appeal in Dynasty? Does that make him a good, uh, I I guess, a buy low in Dynasty? Figuring that you can squeeze squeeze Stafford's juice for a few more years than you might anticipate. I don't know. I don't think it's I don't think it means that much, but if you're really in a pickle at quarterback, say you're in a super flex, he's someone you can try and grab and hope that Les need is right about the at least the five year part.
0: Philadelphia signed Jordan Howard and they re signed Boston Scott last week. And the
2: Bengals oh, That's awesome. Good. That's just that's super, super. Well,
0: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Okay, fine. We'll stay with awesome. that. The Bengals released Giovanni Bernard. They go to the Eagles. Uh, does this matter? We're just
2: glossing away. We're just going to gloss over Gio. No, no, we'll come back to that.
0: But oh, we we'll start start with the Eagles. Does, does this matter? Jordan Howard and Boston Scott back. And again, the Boston Scott thing was not a surprise. They tendered him, no. I believe. So they knew, yeah. we knew he was coming back, but uh, now Jordan Howard joined the fold. Does this matter for miles Sanders?
2: I, I, I obviously Scott matters more. I wonder if he'll become their version of Naheem Hines. And yeah, you know, he kind of sort of was already, um, and Jordan Howard coming back, I'm I not sure why. I don't know what they saw in Jordan Howard when he was in Miami. That makes them want to put him on the roster. That maybe the roster spot isn't guaranteed. That would probably be the case. Uh, we'll see. It's not going to make me any more nervous to draft Miles Sanders. I still think Sanders is worth a top 30 pick.
0: All right. And then Gio Bernard being released. What kind of impact does this have on Mixon?
2: I think it, it gives him an opportunity to catch more passes. And, and he had some games with high reception totals last year before he got hurt. I think that'll continue to be the case. But I also think they really liked what they saw out of Samaje Pirine. They did not have to cut Giovanni Bernard. Um, they, they saved like $4 million bucks on the cap, and they've got a ton of cap space. So they must have just been at the point where they were like, listen, we like Pirine. He's as good as Geo. We don't need camp to prove this. We can give Gio the chance to latch on with another team now. Let's just let him go now. And I know there was talk about a trade that didn't materialize, and so now he's he's on the street. Uh, I, I think that Pirine becomes, I guess, like the the crappy handcuff to Joe Mixon. If you are in a league where you're so inclined to do that sort of thing with Mixon, uh, Pirine would be there. P. Ryan was someone I drafted late in our half PPR mock the other day. I think he's worth a very late pick but I don't think he's going to infringe too much on Joe Mixon. Mixon has a path to getting workhorse type touches provided he stays healthy. And I don't know how efficient he will be. That's dependent on the offensive line in Cincinnati, which uh, they they're improving. They're trying to improve. I don't know how much improvement they'll actually make by the time the season starts.
0: I find myself gravitating to, uh, to Joe Mixon. Um, First of all, he's got a chance for 300 carries if you get yes. 300 carries, you're you're basically guaranteed to be a top five running back. I know that sounds crazy, but every running back in the last five seasons with 300 carries has finished top five in both formats. LeGarrette Blunt had 299 carries in 2016, and he was number seven in non-PPR, number nine in, in PPR. So it's possible to be 300-carry guy and not finish top five, or at least a 299-carry guy. But other than that, every running back in the last five seasons with 300 carries, has finished top five in both formats. And if you want to throw half PPR in there, all three formats. Uh, so there's that. And he was actually on pace for more than 50 catches last year. He was on pace for 56 catches, and that was with Giovanni Bernard. They had sort of phased Gio out of the passing game, it seemed, before Mixon's injury. Um, Bernard had, uh, had 12 of his 16 catches in the first six games that Mixon played. Bernard had 12 catches in the first 3 games and then 4 in the last 3 games. Um so yeah, so I don't think that Mixon is like a Derrick Henry or a Nick Chubb. Don't think of him that way. He's probably I would say he's going to they're certainly going to catch more passes than Josh Jacobs. Um probably than Chris Carson. I mean, I think he's got a chance day for 50 catches. Sure. So you could be talking about a guy who's I'll take Derrick Henry to lead the position in touches, but Who's number two? I mean, it
2: could be Mixon. It really could be. I don't know. So, I, he'll, he'll be up I'm there, and you know that he'll be the short yardage goal line guy for right. them. And if he can tack on 50 catches as well, yeah, it's it all sounds great. But I, I think a large enough population of us have been burned by Joe Mixon over the past few years that, there, there will be hesitancy to draft him. I think last year we were talking about him as a first round pick. And so the people that took him as a first round pick last year, they're going to be the ones who are the most hesitant to go after Joe Mixon. Even if it's round two, I think if you're finding him in round three, I think it's a no brainer. I think if it's late round two, it's worth considering right now. Let's see what this offensive line looks like a after the draft B once training camp gets going in Cincinnati and let's see what Joe Burrow looks like too. Cause the burrow ain't playing, uh, Mixon ain't running.
0: Do you know well. where he went yesterday?
2: Where Joe Mixon went yesterday? Yeah, in our mind. I can answer that question in about 12 seconds.
0: Please do. I'll read some more notes while you do that. Uh, i got the answer. Okay, Detroit signed cornerback Quentin Dunbar. Minnesota starting quarterback Jeff Gladney turned himself into police after allegedly assaulting a 22-year-old woman. Uh, Seattle defensive end Carlos Dunlap said Russell Wilson will be with the team in 2021. John Gruden said Kenyon Drake can run it, catch it, and return it. We'll come back to that one. Carolina signed cornerback A.J. Boye. He will be suspended for the first two games of the season. His career was was going way up a few years ago. He has not been as good since signing a big contract with the Jaguars. Then the Bears have discussed trading wide receiver Anthony Miller, according to Ian Rappaport. So we'll come back to Kenyon Drake. There's a rumor
2: going around that Miller will go with a draft pick to Baltimore for Orlando Brown Jr. Oh, wow. That would be interesting. That would be interesting to add Miller put him in the slot in Baltimore. I mean, I, I mean, think, I, I think, think it'd be, more, be great for his fantasy numbers. But. I think
0: it'd be more interesting for, uh, for the bears to get Orlando oh, sure. Brown to get
2: a tackle. Right? right. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So the over under on Mixon's draft position in our half point PPR is 24.5. Did he go before 24.5 or after 24.5 Adam?
0: I'm going to say, I'm going to say he was a late second round pick. I'm going to say under 24.5.
2: You would be correct. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. He went 21st to Jamie. Okay. So ahead of Cam Akers, which I think I disagree with. Pretty sure I disagree with that one. Ahead of Antonio Gibson. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm going to disagree with that one too. Ahead of DeAndre Swift. In full PPR, I would definitely disagree with that. Yeah, I, I think he's a... for now, he's a really good third round pick. I think Jamie may have reached a little for Joe Mixon.
0: Okay. And what do you think about uh John Gruden, who is really becoming kind of like a Pete Carroll? Where he just speaks with so much praise about his players so often and <laughs> you kinda have to take it with a grain of salt. But he said Kenyon Drake can run it, catch it, and return it.
2: I mean, technically that's true. <laughs> and if he's if he if, if he's using him for all three of those roles, then I understand why they decided to pay him what they paid him. I think I think Drake does have I don't want to say it's untapped potential because we've seen it from him where he does catch the football out of the backfield. If he's gonna be in that type of a role with Vegas uh, to be the to the passing downs guy to Josh Jacobs, then great. Um, but last year he didn't really hang on to that role very much with Arizona. I think he had like one or two games in the second half of the season where he had good reception totals, but was otherwise kind of morphed into a north south runner. And he did okay with that. He scored a bunch of touchdowns. So I, I wonder. I just I, I wonder just how he'll assimilate into this offense. I think he'll be. I think he'll be maybe right around ten touches a week. And that means that Jacobs will be right around 15 touches per week. And we're going to curse and throw stuff at the TV when we see Drake steal a touchdown from Jacobs or anything like that. I think Drake is going to be decent fantasy running back bench material for pretty much the entire season, unless something happens to Jacobs.
0: By the way, right now on CBSSports.com slash fantasy, uh, Chris Towers has written an article about Joe Mixon. Can Giovanni Bernard's release push Joe Mixon to the top tier at running back in 2021? So check that out. And it's time for fill in the blank. Thank you to all of you on Twitter for participating in this. I'm Fantasy filling b- this, Adam. You're ready? Oh, you're filling. Okay, that's good. That's
2: yeah, good. Feeling, filling.
0: Yeah, sorry. I just completely drew in. a blank there. Uh, Fantasy bro. I will puke blank times a week when Taysom Hill comes in for Jabez Winston.
2: Uh, probably just like the first time for sure. And then probably at least one more time when Taysom Hill's in in the red zone and inexplicably throws a touchdown to like the third string tight end and costs everybody a chance at six points, especially Kamara fantasy managers. So I'm going to say twice a week, but I would imagine he'll play upwards of eight to 12 snaps per game. I bet he sees a little bit more per game than he did with Drew Brees.
0: You know, I'm, I'm like Seinfeld. I've like an iron stomach. I never do what fantasy bro just suggested. I can't remember. Good for you. I can't remember the last time that happened. All right. From Colin Williams. I just want everybody to know that Colin Williams. There will be blank rookie wide receivers who finish in the top 24.
2: Will there even be one? I will say, I'll say say that one gets in there. Jamar Chase will get in there.
0: Justin Jefferson did last year. Did anyone else? I don't think so. Where did Lamb finish?
2: He was outside of it.
0: Oh no, he was not. He was twenty first in non PPR and twenty fourth
2: in PPR. Was he?
0: He was not per game. He was outside the top 30 per game I've got him I got
2: him 26th in PPR. All
0: um, right, I got him 24th
2: of the top 24. How
0: much separation between him at 26 and whoever you have at 24?
2: Who do I have at 24? I can't find who I have. I know who I've got at 23. I've got DJ Moore at 23. He is at 13.67 PPR points per game and uh
0: yeah, but Lammer I'm talking total at, fantasy points, not per game here.
2: Okay. He was at 200 fantasy points. And uh, DJ Moo was at... Sorry for being so slow here. 205. So five points away from being 23rd.
0: Okay. Uh, well, depends where you look. It, but CeeDee Lamb was very close. And Justin Cole Jefferson, Beasley was
2: 24th in PPR with 203. So he was three points away from Beasley and five points away from DJ Moo.
0: I have him with one more... Oh no! Yeah, it's so funny how this gets calculated. I have him with nine more fantasy points than Beasley. Are, are you doing? Uh, I've got decimal the, the scoring. Actual
2: no, I've got the actual full point PPR scoring on a week-to-week basis, non-decimal.
0: Nah, eh, so frustrating. Different because I don't. You do your own, right?
2: Well, I mean, th- this is what they scored in a PPR league on a week-to-week basis. You take what they got in each week. You add it together at the end. That's how many fantasy points they score. Okay, because so I'm, I'm, I'm not taking their year-to-date totals, um, dividing their yardage by, you know, 10. I understand. And then multiplying their touchdowns by six and then, you know, adding in how many catches they have. That's not the right way
0: well, to do it. Well, that should be. I mean, that should come up with the same number, right? And then you subtract No, from it base.
2: absolutely shouldn't, because there are games where, you know, CeeDee Lamb gets 99 yards. That's only nine Then points. you're
0: not doing decimal scoring. That's You're right. My, I'm not doing. That, decimal okay. Scoring. Well, I am doing decimal scoring, so that's why C.D. Lamb could be is 24. Okay. So yeah.
2: Well, mystery solved. Yeah. And l- when when decimal scoring becomes the norm, a we're going to throw a party, and B my, is it? it is my totally the role. norm. I don't know if it is. I don't know. We we could look that up and see how many leagues on CBS use decimal scoring. People can also write us on Twitter. I right, yeah. Dave Richard. Go ahead. Why don't you do it? Do I don't use that. Do
0: a Twitter poll. All right, I will. Yeah, do a Twitter poll. All right, from Darth Brady. Big news, everybody! I have started watching the entire Star Wars series. We are halfway through. uh not quite. Episode six or episode four. So I'll have a report for you in about six months when we finish. Darth <laughs> Brady. By August, DK Metcalf's ADP will be blank.
2: Maybe wide receiver 10. Maybe the ADP of like 27, 28, somewhere in that range. He'll be popular. There's no doubt.
0: You don't think second round? You think third round?
2: I think he could get into the second round in some drafts. I think it depends on the draft. Okay.
0: From Al Williams, there will be blank players taken in the first round in average draft position that are not
2: running backs.
0: Blank non-running backs in the first round. Three. And they are? They're
2: ADP. Uh, Adams, Hill, Kelsey.
0: He thinks Mahomes will be a first-round pick.
2: No, I don't think so. I don't think there's going to be a first-round quarterback in ADP this year.
0: From Daniel Haas, the team with the most players... This is fun. The team with the most players to finish top 20 at their position in the 2021 season will be blank.
2: I mean, Kansas City is the safest bet. Mahomes, Edwards, Dillair,
0: no, Hill. They're Nicole not, Hardman. though. Because top 20 is such a such a low bar for quarterback and tight end. So I'm going to go with Dallas. I think they'll have five. I think they'll have two receivers. Dak,
2: Zeke, two receivers. And then you think one of the... the yeah, Jarwin top 20.
0: Top 20, yeah, I think so.
2: I think if it's top 20 at tight end, then yeah. Blake Jarwin can be a top 20 tight end.
0: The question is will Dallas have two top 20 wide receivers? That won't be easy, but it will be doable.
2: That would certainly put them ahead of Kansas City.
0: I look, it could it could definitely be it could be the Rams. Basically for this conversation, you you it could hold, be the Falcons. You you need two wide receivers. It could definitely be the Falcons. Um because it's not hard to have a top 20 quarterback or tight end. Uh right, from Ry, from Reed Blank, blank, or blank would be the absolute best landing spot for any rookie running back. Blank, blank, or blank.
2: I think Atlanta is at the top of the list. I think Pittsburgh would be right behind them. And then... I I was going to say them. The Dolphins would be third. I'm just not sure. I'm not convinced that the Dolphins are definitely going to get a running back in the draft. Like, I wonder if they're pretty happy with what they got out of Miles Gaskin last year. And this is, you know, Patriots thinking coaching staff. They tend to undervalue the running back position. They might want to address other positions before they go cannonballing into the running back pool.
0: From Ryan Wessner, long-running Superflex Dynasty draft should expect blank number of quarterbacks to be selected in the top five. Again, long-running Superflex Dynasty draft should expect blank number of quarterbacks to be selected in the top five. Two to three. And Danny Perez, Najee Harris would have to be drafted by blank to be a top 10 running back.
2: To be a top 10 running back? Yeah. Would he be a top 10 running back in fantasy? Would he be a first-round pick in fantasy if he went to Atlanta? No. I don't think I'd put him there, but I think he'd be, like, off the top of my head, like, top 18. I think he'd be a second-round pick. I think people would get excited about Harris. If if all they have in Atlanta is Najee Harris and Mike Davis, I think people would be pretty excited about that. I think they'd go after him by round two.
0: And would you take him or Mixon?
2: I would take him over Mixon.
0: Would you take Najee Harris on the Falcons or Cam Akers?
2: On the Rams? Ooh. I, I think if it's really just if it's really just him and Mike Davis, and I'm really thinking that Mike Davis isn't going to be that big of a problem, then I think I would take him over cam Akers, And I think I might have Akers in my top 12 for sure. Ooh. Well, now you got me thinking out. that's going to be one that's going to be tough to, to break down. But I, I, I think that that's the spot where a rookie running back can come in, start right away and get a good workload right away in an offense. That's going to be hard for defenses to clamp down on the run. I mean, how, how can the safeties play up when you've got Julio here, Calvin there, Russell Gage in the slot? Oh, man. Can't forget about Gage.
0: <laughs> uh, well, let's take a quick look at the Major League Baseball standings. The White Sox are three and four. What's going on over there? Well, we don't care about that. We care about fantasy baseball. So if you like fantasy football, fantasy baseball is obviously here, and you need to be listening to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5. Stay up to date with all of the latest news, the waiver wire advice, the pitchers to stream in five minutes or less. Fantasy Baseball Today in 5. Download and follow anywhere you listen to this podcast. And by the way... There's also Fantasy Baseball Today in, like, 60, the full-length version, which is a great show, which you should be listening to. Time for your Apple Podcast questions to finish off this week of podcasting. This is from Big kurt 19 12-team full PPR league. I need one keeper for next season. Jonathan Taylor for a third-round pick. All right. Calvin Ridley for a fourth-round pick. Dobbins mm-hmm. in the seventh. Akers or Justin Jefferson in the ninth full PPR Taylor in the third Ridley in the fourth Dobbins in the seventh acres or Jefferson in the ninth.
2: If you're not sold on Taylor being the next great fantasy running back, then I think it's got to be acres.
0: Oh, Jefferson. No, you'd rather have a Jefferson's
2: great. All these guys are great, but I think getting acres uh, ahead of Jefferson, full PPR. Yeah, I get where you're coming from with that. Would because you draft Jefferson ahead of Acres in a full PPR? Redraft? I guess I don't. I guess I don't think I would. No, I don't think. I, I don't think I would either. And it's not a slight on Jefferson at all. Yeah, I think Acres no, right. can be I would really draft good. Acres. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm taking Acres over Jefferson then okay. with the ninth round value. Certainly going to take that ahead of Dobbins, who's going earlier. Yeah. Certainly going to take that ahead of Ridley. I would take Acres ahead of Ridley. And so, really, like if you're over the moon in love with Jonathan Taylor and you're like me, you're not phased by the Marlon Macri signing, yeah, you take Taylor in the third. But ninth round on Cam Akers is really, really hard to pass up. Joey from Germany. Hey,
0: Jerry, George, Cosmo, and Elaine. Hey, speaking of Seinfeld. There you go. 10 team, 1 QB PPR league. I can keep two. Camara in the first round, Devontae Adams in the second, Dobbins in the sixth. Justin Jefferson in the eighth. Maybe now we can take Justin Jefferson. Kyler, taking Justin Jefferson. <laughs> yeah. Kyler Murray in the 11th. Murray can only be kept for one more season. The rest are eligible for two more years. And he has the eighth pick. So let's say we're going to keep Jefferson in the eighth round. Pick one more. Camara in the first. Adams in the second. Dobbins in the sixth. Kyler in
2: the 11th. I, I'm kind of tempted to keep Dobbins because you can get him for two more rounds or two more years at that round. Uh, but in a 10 team league, if you're picking 8th, you probably don't have a shot at getting Alvin Kamara again. Uh, it's a PPR league. I think Kamara can be really good again, even without Drew Brees, a quarterback. Mm. I, I think I think I would lean toward Kamara, just getting the superstar uh, with your first-round pick that you wouldn't be able to get otherwise. So Kamara and Jefferson would be who I'd take.
0: Jake from Washington After nine years of running my league, I'm getting rid of the kicker position and adding a super flex spot.
2: That's the way to make it more fun.
0: Yeah. Can you address how you should approach a draft with a super flex, please? No one has ever played with one before. It's a two receiver league, two running backs and a flex and now a super flex. So what do you think?
2: If the scoring really favors quarterbacks, people are going to fill that spot with a quarterback and that'll push up quarterbacks in the draft. It'll make you want to go and select a quarterback a lot earlier than you might initially intend. This is the type of draft where you will see Patrick Mahomes go in the first. Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I didn't say Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes in the first round. Josh Allen, second round. You know, all, no, the, all the top no, quarterbacks. I,
0: I, I think no you're way. getting
2: four quarterbacks in the first round. You might. It really comes down to how people feel about it. It depends what the scoring is. You're right. Allen will probably be a first round pick too. Um, Let me see
0: our latest super flex draft.
2: Right. But if you're comfortable with the depth of the position, you might opt to only take one quarterback early or no quarterbacks early. And then you can go back to back with quarterbacks in say rounds five and six and you'll get okay starters, but you'll also have good players to other positions. Yeah. It's just like any other league, Adam, like what, the scoring system is, is very important. It's just something that you've got to know before you go in. Um, The more that it favors quarterbacks in a super flex, the more likely people are going to use that spot to get a second quarterback. And uh, if if everybody, and maybe you adjust to this when you're drafting, if everybody's going to go and chase quarterbacks in the first couple of rounds, you'll probably have to jump in that talent pool too. And then some good players will fall to you later on.
0: The only super flex draft that we've done recently was a dynasty startup mock draft. Uh, McCaffrey, 1, Cook, 2, Mahomes, Allen, Murray, Jackson, Watson were the next five picks. And then Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert, remember this is dynasty, they were also in the first round. So you had seven quarterbacks taken in the first round. That's a dynasty startup. So I think maybe a little bit more in a dynasty league quarterbacks you have such longevity. But right. I would I would expect probably four or five in the first round in a super flex league with experienced people. Now, if you're, it's a completely new group, never done Superflex before, maybe right. just different trends. But I would say that you can't be afraid to go with the trends, and you should try to say to yourself, I need one of the top blank quarterbacks. I want two of the top blank quarterbacks. And if you have to pass up better players at other positions that you would ordinarily never do that, you have to take that plunge. You have to do that. You cannot be weak at quarterback because there's nothing on the waiver wire.
2: There's also the question of how many managers are in the league. If it's an eight-team league, a ten-team league, then I don't think the pressure will be there quite as bad to take
0: oh, great that point. second
2: quarterback. Yeah. But if it's if it's a twelve-team league, then yeah, maybe you will see teams right. load up. On- least one stud quarterback early.
0: Yeah. So I, I am there, in a 10 an team. Argument
2: there, there's literally an argument for going anyway. You could start your draft quarterback, quarterback, feel great about having two stud quarterbacks on your super flex team. And then you just try and find your way at the other positions throughout the draft. And then off the waiver wire, there's passing on the position completely loading up at all the other positions and then finding quarterbacks. Like I said, rounds five, round six, maybe even later than that. Or you can go, you know, the, the happy medium, which is you take a quarterback in round one or round two. And then you wait till around five, six, seven to get your second and maybe your third quarterback. There's no wrong way to do it. You just have to get quarterbacks that you're most comfortable with at values you're okay with.
0: Yeah, I, I'm in a 10-team Superflex league, a league I share with Heath every year, The one of the podcast leagues. And there are quarterbacks on the waiver wire. They're usually guys like Jimmy Garoppolo and maybe like a Baker Mayfield or something like that. But players you can plug in if you need to. Okay, let's move on, Dave. Let's, let's try to go a little faster here. Casey CP24... Um, which two players would you keep? Twelve-team full PPR. They would be my first and second-round picks: Michael Thomas, Terry McLaurin, Miles Sanders, Antonio Gibson.
2: I have to keep two. Yeah. If I have to keep two of these guys, uh, I will probably lean toward the running back, Sanders and Gibson.
0: From Revito. This is not a question. This is just a cool comment. This was the first podcast I ever listened to back in 2011. I have won plenty of championships across a few leagues. I've picked up and dropped other podcasts over the last 10 years, but this is one where I don't think I've missed an episode. (laughs) How cool was that? First podcast you ever listened to. Thank you, Ravito. We appreciate it. From Wake Up 23 I'm going to add Team QB to one of my more competitive leagues. All are on board with the move. Just curious if you guys have played in leagues that are team QB. Either way, uh, do you have any thoughts? And Dave, I've never uh, played in a team, a team QB league.
2: We've got this very deep office league. It's usually got anywhere between 20 and 30 teams, and we use team QB for that. I think, it's, I think it's fine. I think it changes the dynamic a little bit, especially when you look at a team like New Orleans that theoretically will use multiple quarterbacks in the same game. Uh, It makes them a little bit more valuable. A lot. Well,
0: how much more valuable are they? They're probably closer to a
2: top. They're closer to a top 10 team QB than they would be separate. Like we're not taking Winston or Hill as top 15 quarterbacks right now, because one will take away numbers from the other, unless, you know, the saints decide to go with one guy all the time. End of story. Um, So they'll, they'll be popular because you don't have to worry about who the quarterback is. You're just taking it on the team. I'm wondering if that's ever going to happen to running backs where we just get to a point where we're drafting team running backs. Oh no, that would, that would suck up the drafts. So your drafts aren't going to be nearly as deep if that happens, but then you don't have to worry about, Oh, I got to get the backup for this guy or, you know, this team's going to use three running backs from week to week. I'm not going to touch that team's running backs. Well, now oh, suddenly no. if you've got team it's RVs, awful. you've got, you know, you've you've got to awful. Don't, to don't even don't
0: even put it out in the don't even put it out well, there, Well, but Nate.
2: that's uh, that's fine. And I trust me, I I don't think I would like it that way either. <laughs> a lot of the fun of fantasy is to go and have the backup yeah. running back. But uh, the, the team quarterback is kind of the same concept.
0: Well, I think the team quarterback is guarding against quarterback gets hurt in the middle of a game, and that could obviously happen with a running back too. But for some for some reason, it just feels different with a quarterback. People hate that. It's the highest scoring position, so it's guarding against the injury um but it's also you know team drafts a rookie and you take the San Francisco team quarterback or something like that it, you know there's that aspect mm-hmm. of it too all right from core 2186 who has more value in PPR with Sam Darnold DJ Moore or Robbie Anderson
2: probably still DJ Moore i would i would draft him first ahead of Anderson
0: and finally from Alf878, hey, alf 878 hey ted yeah ted carl jim and greeny Standard league draft. After last season, I'm starting to think Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, and Jonathan Taylor are better first-round picks than Kamara, Barkley, Adams, and Kelsey in our old-fashioned standard scoring league. Am I crazy to like all of them in the top five, Dalvin, Hen- Dalvin Cook, Derek Henry, and Jonathan Taylor, over Kamara, Barkley, Adams, and Kelsey?
2: Well, in my standard running back rankings, I've got Henry third, Camara fourth, Taylor fifth, Barkley sixth. So I've kind of got a a mesh of what he's going with, but I see where he's coming from. Uh, Henry, I think, has absolutely earned it. I think Cook has earned it too. And Jonathan Taylor has worlds of potential to be the next great workhorse running back in fantasy. Whereas with Camara, if those catches don't count and they might go down anyway because Drew Brees isn't there, that's a problem. You've got to hope for him to replicate the type of year that he just came off of. Saquon, there's the huge question about whether or not he stays healthy. Uh, so yeah, there's there's definitely some reason to believe that he's onto something.
0: I just don't believe Barkley belongs in the same conversation because Kamara is like a 210 carry running back in 16 games, maybe 220. Mm-hmm. Barkley could push 300. And he's also involved in the passing game, but he's not to the degree that Kamara is. If you want to put him... If you want to say, I want to take these guys ahead of Barkley because of injury concerns or offensive line concerns, that I understand. But he is a workhorse. I mean, he's going to get a ton of carries.
2: Provided that he, he stays healthy. healthy, yes, 100%. And then when it comes to Adams and Kelsey, if their catches don't count, I think their value kind of falls into round two in a non-PPR.
0: Well, that's it, everybody. Thanks a lot to Emery Hunt for joining us. And for all of your Apple Podcast questions, keep sending your emails to fantasyfootball at com. Have a great weekend, Dave. You too, Adam. All right. It's going to be a Star Wars weekend. Star Wars weekend, everybody. Looking forward to it. May the
2: force it. be with you, Thank Adam. Thank
0: you. Thank you very much. Uh, we will talk to you on Monday with another episode of Fantasy Football Today.
2: Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half.